Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 175 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week and kind of back with me this week is Bex. How are you doing? Yes, I'm about 50% there. You can hear from my voice that sounds like I'm an extra in EastEnders. Um, but I had no voice at all before, so to be honest, this is winning. 50% is more than zero. Yes, that is true. You got struck down by a nasty case of conflu like one day into EGX this week, so... I, I, I was the originator of Conflu, so I do apologise to everyone in EGX that currently can't speak. <laughs> I went to my best mate's one-year-old's birthday party. Ah, that'll do it, and yes. of course, I am now patient zero. So I apologise <laughs> to everyone else who now can't talk. Um, but yes, I have 50% of my voice back, which meant I was about 50% capacity today. I have spent the whole of today on a improv comedy course. Saying yes and quite a lot, yes. There was quite a lot of that, yeah. Um, <laughs> and making numbers and pirate ships and stuff out of us in groups and um, all sorts of fun games, actually. It was um, it, it was good fun, actually. It really kind of shakes up what you're doing and it's a good laugh and things become funny accidentally quite a lot. <laughs> cool. That's good. That's good. Any any particular reason you decided to go into improv comedy? It turns out that a lot of the YouTubers I have met recently that I really respect all are basically stand-ups or have been trained in improv or have done that kind of thing. And I thought, people tell me I'm funnier in real life and on these podcasts than I am on camera because I go a little bit into work mode and I was like, ah. Well, this sounds like a super fun, ridiculous way of becoming better at my job. <laughs> so I did a taster lesson and the taster lesson was hysterical. And then I said, oh, well, it's a shame that your course is booked up. If anyone drops out and they're like, actually, we've had one dropout. So there you go. straight back from EGX, four hours sleep, no voice straight to improv class um, and there's another geek there oh awesome there's, there's another geek who is a lady who edits I've forgotten the name of the website she edits for but she spent the, the whole of last week at uh, Thought Bubble and telling me all about Thought Bubble and all of the amazing comics and stuff that they had up there and uh, she understands everything I say it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant awesome we just just, just all of the references going, going in improv style. <laughs> so, um, have you uh, have you got anything else you you want to bring up that you've been working on this week? I'm, I'm trying to remember most of this week. <laughs> I really have to say, I didn't have Netflix for a bit, which was sad. But uh, a kind soul 
at the one-year-old's birthday party has given me a Netflix login. So oh, nice. I can watch the rest of um, Disappointment, as I'm calling it. Um, <laughs> so that was the first three episodes of um, Disenchanted. Ah, yes. Yeah, at that point, I already re- renamed it Disappointment. I was going to make a YouTube video and found out I was like the 50th person to come up with that joke, so it probably <laughs> wasn't worth it. Um, but I was, I was really surprised that it just wasn't that. It was sweet and it was quite funny, but it wasn't that yeah. funny. It seemed watched... to be not as many jokes as the as like Futurama or Simpsons. It just felt a lot slower i mean i've watched a couple of episodes of it and i haven't gone back to it which is not really a good sign so Uh, i was really surprised i mean i like the animation the setup quite cool because obviously they've done the Simpsons in the present the future armor in the future so having a kind of made up past type fantasy scenario seems like a good other place for them to explore i quite like a few of the characters lucy especially i quite liked but it just like i feel like a lot, what i saw in the first three episodes could have been summed up in like a minute yeah yeah like i kind of like you get it from the first minute yeah that's who she is so she doesn't want to be a princess she goes after drinking and gambling yes i felt like they really kind of slowly introduce things that were pretty off the bat concepts which is quite surprising I'm, I'm used to things like Futurama where it's just like hi they're in space and get on with it yeah I think that was my feeling as well was they were stretching it quite a lot so uh, mm. which is a bit of a shame I mean it could pick up in, in the next half of the series it could be one of those ones that they just haven't found their feet yet but yeah well the second half of the first series it would be wouldn't it because it was part one of yes the first yeah. section of the series but yeah I, I will finish watching it and then kind of see it through I think but yeah I, I need I needed Netflix back uh, <laughs> and someone told me that the second season of Star Trek was out and they lied um, no not, not yet not, not yet, they it'll lied. be January. I think they just told me that because I said I didn't have a Netflix login and they just wanted to torture me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, uh, January, that's going to be, I think. Yeah, Looks I like think I'm one of the few people I know that actually liked it. I mean, I thought that the, uh, I don't want to spoil things for people if they haven't seen it, but I didn't, I wasn't keen on the ending. Right, yes. Try not to spoil things. I got told off for putting too many spoilers in the podcast last week. So uh, uh, I'm I'm, I'm not saying what happens. I'm just saying that I wasn't keen. Yes, um, on on how they ended it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, I quite, um, like, I quite like that, but I, I, I can yeah, see why. I, I, still, I still enjoyed quite a lot of it, even though I can I can see the argument of it not entirely Star Trek. Yes, Except for yes. that Groundhog Day episode, which is probably my favourite episode. Which doesn't spoil anything to say that, but there is a Groundhog Day episode, which is amazing. Yes, yes, that is, that is good, that one. Well, I mean, we've got the new Patrick Stewart series coming soon, and uh, he tweeted out a picture of him sat in the writing room today. So uh, that's something to look forward to, and that will be definitely be be solid star trek i think so <laughs> look forward to that um stuff for me this week i've been plowing through various new shows i have to give a quick mention to bodyguard which of course just finished on bbc last night they announced the numbers this morning it got a 47.9 percent audience share yesterday that's half the tv audience were basically watching bbc one to watch bodyguard which is unheard of for a drama <laughs> 10.4 million it peaked at 11 million on sort of live viewing which is is phenomenal so uh, I, I thought s- nothing would be bake off yeah yeah I mean it's that you're getting up towards sort of World Cup numbers with that I mean it's insane for drama really quite insane it's, it's been like the biggest show on, on the TV so I suspect we're going to have more seasons of that although they haven't officially said that yet going back onto Netflix Maniac which is this new limited series that's uh, out at the moment which is truly strange really quite odd it's Emma Stone and Jonah Hill and uh, they're playing 
two people who end up in this drug trial, in this pharmaceutical trial, and uh, things don't quite go the way they should do, basically. But the entire setup for it is particularly strange because it's sort of an out reality where you've got weird little robots that sort of clean up after your pets and the Statue of Liberty isn't the Statue of Liberty. So it's it's this odd kind of other world place. So it, it already sets you off in this kind of weird dreamlike state and it's shot in sort of a way that enforces that as well. It's really quite odd. It's a very strange series. I've only a couple of episodes into it at the moment. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I just haven't got around to it yet. It's weird, wonderful, and I advise you to go watch it because it is one of the strangest shows you'll see this year, I think. I think that's going to have to go on my list now because I've heard about it and stuff, but with not having Netflix, I haven't actually got around to watching a lot of stuff. But I think, yeah, anything like that that kind of takes the world, puts a little bit of a twist on it and makes it a slightly yeah. surreal version, like the thing with humans on Channel. It's yeah. our world, but not quite. Yeah, it, and and it's very much that sort of thing. It's got a sort of Black Mirror esque kind of slight shunt into a different reality feel about it. You know, it's very much that sort of uh, that sort of thing. Also on Netflix, I watched uh, the f- our first episode of The Good Cop, which is a police procedural starring Tony Dancer and Joss Groban. It's Tony Dancer as the sort of senior cop who is a reformed dirty cop who's just been sort of let out of prison and he's living with his son who is a very kind of uptight by the book police officer it's pretty much a standard network police procedural it doesn't seem to fit quite rightly on netflix it's a bit of an odd show to be on netflix it's perfectly fine it's very kind of you know castle-esque or that sort of the those sort of dramedy police procedural things it's very much in that mold it's not going for realism then but going more for the character development of yeah it's much more in the, you know in the vein of things like instinct and and that sort of thing it's funny it's it's entertaining enough it just it's a bit of an odd thing to end up on netflix i have a feeling it maybe was originally developed for a network and then and then didn't land and they picked it up on netflix which is possibly why it feels like that perfectly fine show from what i saw of it just seems a bit it's not the sort of thing you expect off a netflix show but worth going to watch if you like those sorts of procedural dramas killing eve which just started on bbc the whole thing is actually up on the iplayer so you can go watch through it which is what I did because that is a brilliant, brilliant series. Very much a cat and mouse game between Sandro, who plays this uh, MI5 agent, and um, she is tracking down this serial killer who is seemingly a sort of hitman for hire, or in this case, a hit woman, played by Jenny Comer. Sandro's character is Eve and is somewhat obsessed by the sort of psychopathic assassin. The psychopathic assassin has also become slightly obsessed with her as well. So there are a few scenes together, but not many, but you get this sort of this cat and mouse thing of them chasing after each other. It's really good. It's very funny. It's very twisted. It's very Phoebe Waller-Bridger, who is the person that came up with it. It's very much her sort of thing. Just superb from start to finish. It's eight episodes long. Well worth going to watch if you've not watched that. I would thoroughly recommend it. 
it's one of the best things on TV right now. I highly recommend that. And then the Captain Marvel trailer came out this week. Yeah, that's got a lot of people arguing in comment sections <laughs> at the moment about the grandma. Yes, punching the grandma in the face. Yes. The, the amount of people commenting on, on the thing just saying someone didn't learn to respect their elders. <laughs> people like querying it. Um, yes. I think most of the comments I've seen about it have been about the grandma. Yes, yeah, that is I'm true. not sure if that was intentional on their part. I'm sure it not. was. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely become a, become a bit of a thing. I'm expecting that grandma to become a meme. Yeah, I have seen it being memed already, so it is becoming a meme. I really like the look of this. I think it's going to be an interesting way to kick off the... Well, I mean, it sort of overlaps, but it sort of kicks off the next phase of the um, MCU although technically there is another movie coming after it I, I think this is really the start of the next phase yeah, so I'm assuming they're going to use her in place of Adam for the next part of Infinity War yeah they're, they're not introducing Adam who was teased at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy I've forgotten the name of the gold race that they make him and he was teased at the end in the post credits of that right yeah I kind of assumed he was going to be in the second part of Infinity War because in the comics he's very important right in the finale to that story and then they were like no 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 he's not turning up until the next Guardians of the Galaxy but that's after Infinity War. So I'm assuming <laughs> that Captain Marvel is going to be very big. In I, I would Infinity guess. And, and at the moment, of course, we're assuming there is going to be another Guardians movie with all that, the stuff that's going on with that. So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And if they don't end up doing that, and, and the guy that was teased is Adam, and he's looking forward to being Adam for like all this time, doesn't get to do it. I will have so much sympathy for that poor guy. Like yeah. your entire role in the Marvel movies is to be a post credit teaser that never pans out. Yeah, that, that would suck. That yeah, would when suck. you think you're going to be like a major character who's like pretty OP as well. He's a pretty like crazy power guy. So I'm curious to see how they're going to be jigsaw puzzling these pieces all together. Yes. And I'm curious about if Captain Marvel is going to be, because just looking at the, you know, it's a, it's a short trailer, it doesn't give too much away, but if she's been brainwashed, is that what's happening? Because she's all it's, well, uh, yeah, expressionless the, and, you the, know. I don't know whether she's brainwashed, but they do seem to imply that she has sort of forgotten about her earthen past. Um, yeah. Yeah. So or I don't know. Amnesiac brainwashed or some other control mechanism. Like yeah, maybe. In in comic books, the kind of like the hero's forgotten his memories and become a bad guy is a really very yeah. overused trope. So I mean, it hasn't been used that much in the Marvel movies, but I'm hoping there's a bit of a twist on it. Yes, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm happy that they haven't given too much away in the trailer. Yeah. Because I, I have found that in recent years. I watched the trailer and go, well, now I can, as someone who reads comics, I can totally figure the whole movie out from this. And, and I had to sort of stop watching trailers yes um, so, I, I'm yeah. a bit like I, that I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this one yeah I'm a bit like that I sort of watched the first one but try and avoid watching any of the others otherwise you end up seeing half the movie before you uh, actually get in to watch it so yes I, I'm very much with you on that and the, the other bit of news that landed the last couple of days Telltale Games have closed apparently these are the, the makers of the Walking Dead games and uh, I think they had a Guardians of the Galaxy game in development and they did the Batman games as well not the not the Arkham ones the they're the point and click story teller people yeah. which is quite sad although I mean it sounds like they weren't treating their staff particularly well but yeah 
it's I, I'm sort of sad to see them go. Well, normally what happens with these things is that a collective of people from that company will set up a small studio. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect that will happen, and we'll see some so more interesting the talents that were, that you know that were making the games that we were enjoying will will make it another little company or team up or join join another collective. Yeah, and these people do tend to form groups and pop back up. So I think there's hope that you know even if the games they are currently working on won't come out that similar things will appear. Yeah, I mean the the most disappointing thing I think for fans will be the fact that it looks like the final season of The Walking Dead games aren't going to arrive. They're going to do episode one, episode two, and it'll just stop. Which is oh, wow. uh, yeah, okay. That, that that's unfortunate because it's a, like having a TV show cancelled mid-season and they're not going to end up end rounding up the story. Which is uh, that looks to be the case at the moment. Whether that license, you know, another company forms and that license gets passed across and they manage to finish it. I don't know, but yeah, that that's really a shame. So uh, yeah, I feel sorry for fans of those games more than anything else. But uh, hopefully, they'll we'll see something come out of that. But um, as we've got into gaming, as we mentioned earlier, we have spent the last four days on and off at EGX. So um, let's go on and talk a little bit about uh, EGX now. <laughs> It was four days of epic. I've not been to a big EGX before. Yeah, it was... Um, I've been to the red one in London, but not, not the big one. Yeah, there was four days of stuff there. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those rare occasions. EGX is a huge gaming convention, which is in Birmingham, for those of people that don't know. Yeah, it's one of those rare occasions where the big version of the show is actually the Birmingham one and not the London one for a change. But it, it is huge. I mean, there really is four days of stuff to uh, to go around. And it's, it's not just the big games. There's a lot of interesting little indie games and uh, I mean I think both of us spent probably most of our time in the indie section more than anywhere else I, I always spend my time mostly in the indie section because obviously that's a lot of what I like to cover and the people I like to interview I did wander over to the retro section and get told off because I didn't want to stop playing on the Tempest arcade cabinet they had <laughs> and, and they wanted to turn it off but I yes. wasn't dead yet I adore Tempest and if you haven't played it it's an isometric 3D-ish it's only 80s isn't it I I can't remember something like that yes it's um, a fairly early one if, if i wasn't so tired i'd, I'd know um but it, it's a game of my childhood and it's a game i had tempest 2000 on the atari jaguar but there's something about playing it on an arcade cabinet because it has a dial control which you turn around I remember. allows you to move your i say ship in vertical commas it's like a little triangle around these grids and shoot which means you can spin the ship round and round and round which is very different to playing on a d-pad on a console so there's yeah. something pretty awesome about the arcade cabinet for that and um yeah they were sort of saying the show is now closed <laughs> but other than that though mostly in the uh, the indie section which was huge and phenomenal the range and the talent and, and the games they had were incredible and they had big proper stands and you know indie vr games and um, massive eight-player multiplayer game couch games going on and it was great and i think we had some similar top picks well yeah i mean first one if we're going to talk about the indie games i I will say before we get into the indie games actually i did play the one sort of triple a main game that well there was there was two there's um two point hospital which i've been obsessed about recently and i went and played that purely went and sat down on the stand to play that for a little bit so they give me a t-shirt so so i now have a two point hospital t-shirt so i I played that but that's brilliant if you're ever a fan of theme hospital go and play two point hospital 
capital it's it's superb the other game that i actually went in and made sure that i got a bit of time with was uh, life is strange 2 which is a completely new story from life is strange 1 again very much in that sort of point and click kind of setup much like the first one was you get about 20 minutes with it so it was sort of pretty much the same sort of thing just introducing the characters and stuff so i don't know what the mechanics are in terms of you know they had powers and things where she could rewind time in the first game and i don't know what the sort of powers and stuff and special things they're going to be in the second game because you didn't get that far but i mean it looks nice it looks great it's going to be quite an interesting story so it was nice to get my hands on that for a little bit in terms of the indie games we should probably kick off by giving a shout out to Myanmar castle Myanmar castle who i was helping on stand for a bit with them base harrier love letter flying magical cat dragon that collects rainbows that you move with your hand using a neat motion controller yeah it's ridiculously addictive i had an actual go of it because i i'm aware of this game because you know quang who is one of the creators of it you know quite well and you've done videos with him before everyone knows the toby tech my yes. has been at 52 shows yes so i imagine most people have you know if you've ever seen an indie game the chances are you've come across mobile castle uh it's great fun using the leap controller is is really intuitive and works really well for that game which you just sort of wave your hand around and it moves the flying magical cat dragon around and you make a fist and he goes faster and i i mean it's really fun and uh, thoroughly enjoyable i really enjoy playing that so uh you know that's worth checking out if if it's around they're making a mobile version of it i, I noticed according yeah, to the website yeah it works on mobile and it works on trackpad as well right um, okay it, it does it, it does all sorts you can fly cat dragons and all sorts of things right. it's great watching it because i was kind of i kind of like lure people up to the store and i'm like do you want to pilot a cat dragon do you know you want to because they're looking at it in crazy pixely sort of retro stylings they're looking at it and i'm like yeah and they always do the first level where you're just collecting a few rainbows and they're like this is easy and then it gets faster and faster and faster and there's more obstacles and then i'm like no oh, didn't quite make it to the end do you want to go again and they're like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, it's, it's really good fun it's good to watch people it's good to watch little kids playing that as well yes yeah totally because it's, it's especially nice when they and beat their parents on the high score <laughs> awesome <laughs> so yeah i mean that that's really good fun sticking with the retro gaming i mean they they had um the, this was in the left field area and the the left field area uh, really was games that were fairly left of field so miami castle was in there tanglewood was another game that was in there and um this is a brand new game for the sega mega drive and genesis yeah. uh I, and by that we don't mean it's going to run on an emulator although i think it does run on an emulator but it it's not just that it's literally he's he's manufactured and created a cartridge which will go in a genuine sega mega drive system it's a proper 8-bit game he learned the language for it it was built on a proper sega development kit i mean it's crazy what he's actually dedicated himself to do for this yeah you can see why i pulled you over to have a go on that and I, they were incredibly kind enough to give me a cartridge a press oh, review wow. cartridge so i'm going to be able to play the game in full and do a proper video on it and check because it, it's a beautiful game as well like yeah. a labor of love and it shows in in every frame of it yeah it really is uh, matt phillips is the guy that that uh, is behind that game we actually had a little chat with him so um here's a little interview with matt just talking a bit, a bit more about tanglewood and uh, how he developed it so tell me your name and what the game is hi my name is matt phillips uh, i'm working on Tang- 
Tanglewood, which is a brand new game for the Sega Mega Drive. That's something you don't hear very often. What on earth possessed you to make a game for the Sega Mega Drive? It's something I wanted to do since I was a kid, and uh, I just didn't grow up, really. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a dream that never left me. Uh, something I wanted to do all the way through as a childhood, all the way through my teens. I uh, never really got the opportunity until recently, recently so I, I, I grabbed at it and uh, um, I'm actually doing it. It's beautifully done. I mean, you've you've done a stunning job with it. And it's not only is it a game for a Mega Drive, it is literally a game for a Mega Drive, not an emulator, not a... It's, it's written in the same code base, it's in a cartridge. It is genuinely a Mega Drive game. Yeah, it's um, created using equipment, technology, languages, processes of the 90s. Uh, we've got an original Mega Drive development kit from 1993, which we used to write the engine. We use all the original tools running MS-DOS. We write the whole thing in assembly language, um, and we write all our own level editors and animation editors uh, like they would have done back in the 90s. Uh, we're also producing it using original 90s EP-ROM chips, uh, so the cartridges themselves have got 90s tech in them too. That's insane. Where do you find the cartridges at this point? Most of it we had to manufacture ourselves. Um, the, shell, the shells for the cartridges we had to have a, uh, a mould machined because um, right. uh, we, we, we don't have access to Sega's original presses or anything like that. The PCBs we had to have custom designed. Uh, the EP-ROM chips are original 90s chips we found in a warehouse in China. There's a massive stash of them. <laughs> and the, the printed materials we had all done locally. The cases we had uh, imported from the States. It's, it's been an absolute nightmare to arrange the physical manufacture, but it's as close to 90s authentic as we can get, so it's been very much worth it. The development kit is what, one of two left in the world or something? Uh, one or two working that we know oh, of. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, we haven't seen many around. Yeah. Um, one went on eBay a couple of weeks ago and it hit upwards of 15 grand. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I keep mine very tightly under wraps now. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, there are only two full working sets uh, that I can find. Obviously, the, there's probably probably more out there in, in uh, studio basements or on, on shelves somewhere, but to actually find the entire thing working is, is, is quite rare. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the game itself, uh, you play like this uh, this little fox and you're sort of wandering through this very beautifully done woodland. How did you come up with the idea for the game? Inspirations from lots of the games that I've played throughout the years, really. Um, I've always been a fan of platformers all the way back from, through my Sonic days. Uh, I love Flashback, Another World, those kind of games. PlayStation years, I loved Abe's Odyssey, Heart of Darkness, Rayman, that sort of thing. And even modern games, I love anything by Playdead, Limbo, Inside, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Um, so platformers have just been with me since childhood, and I, I knew if I was ever going to write my own game on this thing, it had to be a platformer. And it draws in all, all sorts of inspirations from Abe's Odyssey and Another World, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but there's quite a lot of other games in there just, just reflavored for my own purposes. Where can people find more information if they want to find out about it? You can buy it on Steam. That comes with a ROM file, so if you want to play it on a Mega Drive emulator, you can do. Cool. Um, so yeah, Tanglewood on Steam. Uh, or if you want to pre-order a cartridge, it's tanglewoodgame.com. Awesome. Well, I'm, I hope it, you sell loads of cartridges. I'm sure there's people who got Mega Drives kicking around in their loft and stuff that they're not using. So. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, thanks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So that was Matt Phillips from Tanglewood. You can go and check that out. I think uh, tanglewoodgame.com, I think, is the, the address for that. So uh, go and check that out because it, it is quite phenomenal. If you've got a Sega Mega Drive kicking around, you can go and order it as well on the actual cartridge version and get a brand new game for your like 20-year-old console or whatever it is. <laughs> so uh, well worth it, though. I have to add in another one from the Left Field collection, which I'm, I'm surprised you haven't flagged up in your notes as well. I, I think uh, I... Is did this, you play the book ritual? I, I didn't because it was so crowded every time I, I, I got near it, but I did watch some people play it. I mean, explain the book ritual because it's a crazy game. The book ritual is a interactive, very emotive story where you are just following through the story and it sounds just kind of like, oh, this is just something where you're just reading some text and, and you're you're talking to a book. Yes. But the book is very, very convinced it used to be a person. <laughs> <laughs> and in order to remember the lost memories it had when it used to be a person and to gain its identity back, it needs you to take the actual physical book of it. And when it asks you, you have to write certain things about yourself and put down information, sometimes quite poignant information about yourself, and then feed the page to it, which is basically a shredder that they've decorated up <laughs> to be this kind of cookie monster made of books is the best kind of description for it. And yes. you feed it a page and they've got the feedback thing where it has a sensor to know it's fed the page and what you put in and it tells the game that you've done it and then the game can progress. And it's fascinating because in some ways it's the simplest gameplay in the world. But because you're destroying a book, although they did have copies of Katie Price books and British Shades and stuff as well, there's a random selection of books. Yeah. Some of which I was less worried about shredding than others, let's say. And um, you feel this permanence about what you're doing and you wanted to do it as making a connection with the player and, and getting an emotional where people were getting very invested and were trying, you know, they wanted to sit and play the whole story and see it through because it's such an emotive thing. It's really clever. The, the guy who, who does it, his name I've temporarily lost. I'm afraid does these really interesting games that connect to you on another level normally with like physical kind of things that you have to do outside of the game it's pretty awesome yeah one of the other ones that was good fun although really 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 stupid was a game called Sticky Cats did you spot that one I did I don't think I played that one either but that was in the left field section as well wasn't it yeah but that was another one in the left field which was I'm, I'm not saying it, it hasn't got the longevity I don't think of the other games but it involves trying to do things with cats that are basically like covered in glue <laughs> and I, I I've got some video somewhere of some people who were just so hysterically into this game that one of them is just yelling, no, stupid cat, no, the stupid cat. And just, <laughs> the two of them are just in utter hysterics. And that's what some of the left field stuff does is it's yeah. the play mechanisms and, and the story and the emotion of them. They're, they're really out there. The stuff that would never get published by anyone else. Yeah. Um, and every now and again, there's just genius on, even being something kind of permanent that really affects you, like people were having with the, the book ritual or just the left field section was by far the most overall interesting area i think just for the, the i mean there was another one where you you played the game by tuning in an old crt tv as well which was particularly weird i, I mean there were all sorts of wonderfully bizarre strange controllers and, and weird games and odd off the wall sort of ideas in that section so i mean there were some great things in there the other cool stuff 
that was there was the tentacle stand had like big green tentacles sort of coming out of the top of it one of the games that was over there they had a, a number of of things which we'd seen before like honey i joined a cult which we talked to the guys from that a few weeks ago because they were at insomnia that was in there one next to them actually was called the collage atlas which was absolutely stunning it's hard to describe how beautiful that game was to look at yeah it's entirely hand-drawn it's done in sort of ink and it looks like technical pens so they're very kind of fine ink drawings black and white as well yeah it's really limited color by it really simple really beautiful all hand-drawn then sort of scanned in to make this this wonderful dreamlike picture book sort of world it's a sort of adventure first person adventure and you kind of walk through and you discover various different areas what's quite interesting is he chose not to put clicks into anything for interacting with stuff so you interact with things by sort of the the point of view you're looking at like you know there might be letters floating in the air and you stand in a particular place and the letters form a word and that sort of thing it was really interesting and cleverly done i'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of that that was a guy called john evelyn from robot house that one is but that's called the collage atlas and uh, i think it's the collageatlas.com if you want to go find more about that one of the other games i came across which was a, a bit more of a sort of traditional game beyond blue i don't know did you spot this one i saw it but i didn't have a chance to play it but they did give me a card to, to get a press copy to play for that as well so i'm Oh, great. Go it won um, one of the, the best in shows from Jupiter Hadley as well who's an indie game reviewer she, she gave it one of her stars for the top ten I think yeah I really like this game uh, it's from the Eli Media who are the makers of Never Alone if you, if you played that you play a, um, a part of a crew who are looking through a largely uncharted ocean and it's just beautifully done there's sort of creatures floating around it's all kind of fairly real world like as well in terms of the creatures that are down there the flora and fauna and it's very heavily inspired by the blue planet series and they're actually working with bbc studios as well but it's just stunning i mean i i was sort of drawn to it because i love subnautica and it's very much not that actually you know subnautica is a sort of underwater survival game and uh, this isn't really quite as much that sort of thing it seems to be more about the sort of discovery i i only play it for like 10 minutes they had a very small demo that was there so it's not out yet uh, they're still working on it i think they're talking about releasing next year or i'm not sure whether that's a full release or an early access release next year but uh, it's definitely one worth going to look out for but that's called beyond blue i thought that was that was absolutely stunning and uh, really really worth looking at one of the other games that came across was a city builder which was called flotsam it has the minor disadvantage that you're building your city on the top of an ocean so you're building it out of yes water world style you're uh, building a floating garbage town essentially so you have a sort of starting point and you have to build out from that and you're scavenging debris as it sort of floats past you and you build up this large city essentially I mean this is sort of pre-alpha what they bought but what they have done is so beautifully crafted I mean the 
just you could sit and watch the waves and the stuff under it and and just sit and watch that for hours it was you know so nicely done and the little animations on all the little things that you built and i i love city builders and uh this is actually if you look for flotsam up on uh, steam it's worth going to i think follow that and uh, wish list it because if you're into city builders because i think that's going to be a fabulous one from a company called pajama llama games which is also completely awesome <laughs> as a name for a company yeah i mean if, if that's the name of your company you're just winning from the get-go really yes um, totally there, there was one like, a game with a pretty brilliant name called nature's zombie apocalypse right which is what happens when all the humans have become zombies yes well obviously there's only animals left and they'll just step up so <laughs> it's a up to eight player couch co-op and yes. you can play things like a bear wearing a tiara holding a machine gun yes or a duck holding a baseball bat with its wing and a pirate hat you can even be a goldfish bowl with a gun <laughs> it just hops around um, yeah. incredibly silly incredibly yes. funny very silly um, chaotic fun nonsense yes that was quite good we we actually played that for a bit I think didn't we, we yeah I, I dragged you over to yeah, show Yes, it's it's wonderfully silly that game. I uh, it, it's a great sort of you know multi-person couch player that one. I think I had a couple of goes at Catastronaut, which is a bit like Overcooked meets Space. Yes, um, which is uh, up to I think it's four players for that one couch co-op, and you are trying to keep your spaceship from being on fire and yourself from being on fire, and occasionally shoot guns and keep everything going in a very chaotic way. That's another one that's yeah. incredibly good fun. I didn't get to play that one. It it looked I I watched a little bit of it. It reminds me very much of something like FTL, which is a uh, great game on Steam. It's not co-op though, FTL. It's but it's a similar I think sort they of. They describe it themselves as overcooked meets FTL. Yes, so that's very much what it looked like from uh, from what I saw. Which is, you know, they're, they're great games. They're both great games. So you know, that's a perfectly fine thing to base it off. I think. Yeah, and that's incredibly good fun. And the animations, like when you're running around on fire and yes. you're trying to like charge up batteries, and then like solar flares start coming, and you've got to go and run into the safe room and all get into the room and shut the door or you will die instantly and then if people die you've got to clone them to bring them back as the respawn method it's, <laughs> it's chaos but that was really really good and then in complete contrast to the other end of the scale was I played Arca's Path on which is a VR indie game right, yes. which is one of the most relaxing beautiful zen like story driven puzzle games that you control just with your head I can think of right um, yes which is a, a young girl living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland finds a mark and it's a headset and it transports it to this world and you're just controlling a ball effectively in a kind of puzzle maze but there's also this big storyline going on as well and everyone that was playing it said it was like meditating oh wow it just, I mean it's challenging but it's also incredibly beautiful and uh, ridiculously accessible because it, you don't need to be able to hold a controller all you need to be able to do is move your head a small amount yeah. and um, the more you move your head the faster the, the ball will roll kind of thing it was really just calming and lovely and, and another one in fact that was had a similar sort of feel although slightly less meditative and more smashing stuff was a sound form I don't know if you had a go at that one no I don't think I did it's a game which is like a, a dungeon crawler but sort of in a kind of fantasy type world but everything you do is to the beat of the music so if you strike the enemy with a sword or shoot your gun on beat with the music playing it's more powerful so you start getting into a rhythm and if you want to traverse the landscape you have to do it on beat with the music so you can have up to four of you doing these things and it changes the kind of soundscape of the game and, and oh, wow. the visuals become slightly more vibrant when you're more powerful and really lovely and you kind of people would go up to it and they'd be a bit confused and then once you've got it you just got into this flow of playing it and it just made so much sense and I'm not sure I've seen 
effectively a dungeon crawler crossed with a rhythm game before. Yeah. And, and the graphics were beautiful as well. The art style was gorgeous. Uh, I forgot the name of the artist they were working with, but just the whole thing was, was really, really lovely. I, I was crazy impressed by so many of the games. That's really interesting. Because what I love about the indie section is you do get this wonderful sort of cross of some that are far more traditional sort of games, but really nice and maybe have a slightly different slant and some which are completely out there and just look at things from an entirely different direction that you wouldn't necessarily get a mainstream publisher involved with. So it's great. I, I love the fact that you get this whole wide array of stuff. It's good. So the last game that we'll talk about is, for me, it was my game of the show. I absolutely love this. It was called The Bradwell Conspiracy. You didn't actually get a chance to play this, did you, I don't think? I, I was gutted I didn't get a chance to play this, actually, because I just loved everything about their stall and the way they had the marketing was just like the bottles of water. Yeah. And they're just kind of like, as if like nothing to see here, nothing is really sinister over here. <laughs> yeah. It just, it worked so well, just because like having like the bottles of water with their logo on to give to people with the you know the fictional company logo on the yeah. logo of Parallel Corporation. Yeah. Like just that alone I was sold and I didn't even get to play the game. <laughs> they also had some very cool Stonehenge hats on as well, which were great. Yeah. Those kicking around. So the Bradwell conspiracy, it's from a company called A Brave Plan and Bossa Studios, who are the publisher. On the surface I would say it's a little bit portal, it's a little bit something like the Stanley Parable. It's a narrative-driven adventure puzzle game. It's set in a sort of alt-near future in the fictional New Stonehenge Museum. The idea is that you are a voiceless character because you've inhaled smoke, so that's why you can't talk. You're visiting the museum one day, there is an explosion, you start to dig yourself out of the rubble, and the only thing you've really got to help you are some AR glasses, which are sort of the tour guide glasses. Those are the only things that you really have to help you to give you hints. And uh, whilst you're wandering around, you get contacted by Amber, who is another survivor trapped behind a locked door. But of course, you're unable to speak because you've inhaled smoke, so you've got no voice. So the only way you can communicate with Amber is by taking photos of your environment, and she will sort of help you out because she is apparently an employee of Bradwell Electronics, who are the company that own the museum. Bradwell Electronics are quite a sort of interesting setup as well. They actually have a website up for bradwellelectronics.com, which is well worth awesome. going to look at. You're sort of taken into this this mystery as you you and Amber are trying to work together to get out of the museum. And uh, you also get some uh, another device slightly later on, which is a sort of matter converter, like a portable 3D printer. So you can get blueprints for the matter converter and that allows you to make planks that will get you from like point a to point b and various other and weights and things and various other stuff i spent about 40 minutes playing the first sort of 40 minutes of this game i just i loved it i really thought it was beautifully done it's very british it's got this wonderful sort of british sense of humor to it it's exactly the sort of single player puzzle adventure game that i i absolutely adore it's got a nice story to it it's intriguing it's got a great voice cast as well including some people you may recognize i actually had a chance to sit down and talk with the developers of this as well who is 
George Backer and Holly Pickering. We did about 15 minute interview with them. So they talk a little bit more about the game. But honestly, I thought it was absolutely fabulous. So uh, here's George and Holly. Probably start off by you introducing yourself and the game. Okay, my name is George Backer. And I'm the game director on The Bradwell Conspiracy. So I've just been sat playing through The Bradwell Conspiracy. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's completely my sort of game. Just for uh, people that haven't heard about it yet, do you want to give a brief explanation of the game? Yes, it is a first-person adventure game about uh, two strangers who have to work together to escape a rather dangerous situation and by doing that uncover a bit of a conspiracy <laughs> that's how I would put it I think yeah that, that kind of covers it, it come across like that? yeah I mean um, I play, playing through the first couple of levels which is what you brought with you portal-esque I think if you were trying to describe it to somebody and on the certainly on the initial opening levels which is no bad thing as far as I'm concerned because I adore that game and uh, but I, I can see where the differences are I particularly like the the mechanic of him not talking and you using photos uh, how, where did that idea come from so there's two things about it I think um, we first wanted to make sure that uh, we can have a player character that has that's not never referred to by name or gender so we you don't even like you know it's, uh, it's interesting you said him because obviously you yeah, yeah. put yourself in that situation, which is good. But uh, but also we also I also uh, it's, it, talking to NPCs is always a tough one, I think. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, very very initially when I had the initial idea was like I don't want to do dialogue trees and I don't want to do a game where you just press the button to advance the dialogue that is pre-given. So there was the two conditions, and so I had an idea of the photo thing a while ago. Uh, and then Holly and I we worked together on the projects. Holly, the art director, Holly Pickering, she is. She's like the, the first collaborator who, who came on board and we created this prototype and we were like, well, we'll do the photo thing, but we'll probably need some other mode as well because we weren't sure if that just would work on the photo thing. And then we realized it just would work with photos, which is great, which is a great relief as well. So we didn't need anything else. But before that, we were like, okay, how can we do like, how can we do combine a photo move with something else? But, but yeah, and then we realized it worked and we just like, you know, we're going to keep it, even if that means we have to write thousands of lines of dialogue. <laughs> for all the different variations and mutations and uh, you know and uh, because we track quite a bit in the game like what Amber has seen what you've sent her so she can react to that later on and whatnot so there's a lot of that going on as well but it was born out of the necessity to find something else uh, find something more immersive more that gives you more agency as a player but also that allows us to be more um, allows us to not have to define the player character um, you know so you're not like John Doe (laughs) John Doe who's so, so the whole game is set up that he could be it could happen to anyone and that yeah. makes sense the game is set in the Stonehenge Museum that's that's the setting for it where did the idea of, of doing that and why particularly the Stonehenge Museum so, so it's the new Stonehenge Museum so not the, the real Stonehenge Museum yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like a, it's, uh, it's all fictional like you know there's no, no real time uh, so well it was uh, I think um, the setting I think we wanted to do very strong British very like British heritage yeah. you never hardly ever see that which is bizarre I think you know in, in these kind of like mystery thriller type games and I don't know why because we've got such a nice you know there's a lot of mystery around the UK and um, or in the UK and uh, it just worked really well and for what we wanted to do with the story all the stuff that you that the whole story entails that I can't spoil it just felt like the right place to do it as well and also funny enough is like uh, the, the, the government at the moment you know they're considering things like like doing it under under a tunnel bypass of the A3. Was it A303? Oh, yeah. 
yeah. you know, all that stuff. We were like, this is great. That you know, we're going to use all of this. Like the idea that this would happen because the play, the game plays about ten years in the future. And the assumptions that had been done and there had been stuff discovered and all that. You know, right. so, so it's a kind of like it's sort of like this, this, this. The the the, the cave system has been discovered, which and then we just took it from there. We're like, well, we just take what's going to happen anyway and just add a little bit to it, and then we can tie it in. And so, which is great because every time in the new, every time the BBC News had had an update on like all oh, that traffic problem uh, in Salisbury and around Stonehenge, when is the tunnel going to be built? We're like, this is great, do it, do it more, do it more. Like, do it. So yeah, that was another thing I think that just helped. We talking earlier about the voice cast. I I, do, I don't know whether you want to reveal who the the voices are. I think it's been mentioned in some of the press already. Um, so so uh, yeah, do you do you want to just talk a bit about how the voice cast got involved? Okay, so we have so we have quite a really cool voice because like Amber is played by Rebecca Lotchans, who is uh, is from Broadway background. She's uh, she's uh, comes from the Broadway theatre, and uh, she's fantastic. And um, yeah, it's her first game, I think. And uh, yeah, but uh, but uh, and we've got Kate Sexton, who's our direct performance director, and she comes from theatre and TV and and games as well. Like she's done Alien Isolation, the performance direction for that game. Yeah, and Mafia Three, and I worked with Unfable, so it was a really nice get somebody involved who knows how to work and get performance out and then we have Abu Kabar Salim who's the voice of the guide and he's been Assassin's Creed Origins for example you know and then uh, also we have uh, as a cameo uh, Jonathan Ross also we've asked him if he, he wouldn't mind doing a cameo and he did that for like a, yeah, like a very important section of the game, but uh, which we where we went like we need we, we needed to go over the top of this section. Yeah, so many things. Exactly I think the right have, voice. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I think he totally delivered on that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a huge kind of gaming fan anyway, so yeah, yeah. so I imagine it was completely uh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. Which lucky, obviously, that's always nice when they yeah. you know when they say yes. Sir. You bought the first couple of levels with you. You're in kind of bug fix at the moment so the, the rest of the game is sort of complete at yeah, the moment I mean it's, it's like uh, Holly and I we're in the team we're just uh, polishing and fixing bugs and polishing and fixing bugs and probably getting player to people to play this game and writing down notes and going like oh you know is this uh, is it all, all the feedback that we because we have only announced it like was it like two weeks ago I can't even which is just uh, seeing what people how people so we will need a little bit more time to get that, all that sorted yeah. uh, we haven't announced the release date yet um, but we want to go multi-platform and, and Bossa thankfully is dealing with all of that which is nice so they like you guys focus on make finishing this game we'll focus on the other bits and pieces <laughs> that's good <laughs> it's good add something to the Britishness of this yes. which I really like because because also it's Holly's inspiration for from art because as an art director point of view you'll see like a lot of like the brutalist thing you know this kind of a brutalist concrete yeah it's very British stuff so that was also a conscious decision I shouldn't answer Holly's like saying I think <laughs> I feel like sat next to you yeah, so yeah, she no, could I answer herself like just, uh, yeah I think I'll just defer to Holly now Um, yeah just on that so something that was really important for us in terms of like the backstory of the game and kind of like the whole Britishness thing of like why Stonehenge and all of this thing we kind of wanted to make an alternate reality which in the UK we used to have such a strong um, hardware background in terms of like when we used to have like Acorn and the you know BBC 
micro, all of these sorts of things. Um, they're like, what if Apple had come out of that background instead of coming out of Silicon Valley? Right. Um, and so like there's Bradwell Electronics and, you know, the idea if they had become the world's standard for electronics and, you know, what other things would they have done? So they'd make like the foundation and Bradwell R&D and all of this stuff making new technologies. Um, so the idea that this was a thing that was very inspired by like British things around the world so um, brutalism is actually quite an egalitarian it was designed as like an egalitarian sort of architecture style so that it was this place where like anything can happen and everyone should be equal and like everyone should have an opportunity to like use our technologies and it should be everywhere and you know for everyone sort of thing um, all of that kind of core of like who the Bradwells are as a family and you get to know who they are through, through the game we We've tried to embed that in every part of the game from the architecture to the things you'll see around to the emails you'll read all of that sort of stuff so very British it's, it's in a way it's like uh, what we like to say is you know if like uh, it's the if the the, the Amstrads and and the was it the Sinclairs would have never stopped that sort of like yeah, thing you know exactly. that's a thing like you know I mean and the, the Britishness of it as well like it's a nice history as well that you can easily imagine like you know if they would have gone on forever in that sort of like sense yeah yeah totally I mean I love the look of it it's um it looks wonderful and I've really enjoyed playing through it it looks like it's going to be a fabulous game so I'm really up for for playing more of it when it comes out you should, you, should, uh, you, should you have no idea how, how good these words are to be after, two, <laughs> after two and a half years of like quiet <laughs> yes I can imagine nobody nobody likes sitting there now under pants like maybe like more dressed than this but just like <laughs> trying to get this game out what's been the toughest thing for you developing the game the balance of it all like we've got two game mechanics in the game we've got this this uh, you know we've got the photo mechanic we've got the the the, the substance mobile printer the 3d printing mechanic we've got the story that we wanted to tell and combining this all was i think the toughest challenge in itself like because we wanted to all the, the game mechanics and the photo mode and everything that weaved into the story they're not just like tacked on and just making sure that everything is coherent and makes sense from the game mechanics to the world what Holly mentioned like you know we want to create this world that's believable and uh, getting the balance right was the toughest thing because yeah we, we started off I mean the nice thing about like, looking back because I found an old notebook where I'd written like what I wanted this game to be like way way before and it still keeps that core thing but you know we went through many iterations of the story and even like which the chapters and what you what you do and how much do we do this mechanic how much do you do that mechanic and we've been prototyping a lot and and it became even when we were like in production it became a lot of like how much do we need to go to one bit and how much do we need to go to the other bit and how do we feed it all together and it, it, that's just been the longest toughest sort of like challenge and ultimately I think it's a it's you know you've you've played it for about 40 minutes 45 <laughs> something like that yeah, yeah no, it's just two chapters so yeah so you know there is like um when we started it I said well, I think originally was, uh, let's just make a small game and then uh, yeah yeah it was gonna be we were gonna make it in a year and it was gonna be you know like a like a couple of hours to play through and then once we actually started working on what we wanted the story to be and this idea of like you were uncovering this mystery, you realised actually this needs a lot of time to breathe and the mechanics we wanted to explore and the building the relationship with Amber, all of that was going to need a lot more time than we had initially thought, you know, we would spend on it. And um, ultimately it's all turned out for the best. And the wonderful thing is like the team size and the people on the team have changed quite a lot over time. Like for one point there were only three of us and now I think 
think we're about seven or eight people who are on full-time and so these people have like come in at different points where we've been able to show them the game and they'll have like a new insight on it and being like oh did you think about maybe this and you and we'd just be like no we've been on this for like two years we did not think of that and so we've had like a really wonderful thing where people new collaborators have been able to come in and be able to like bring their own perspective on it their own experiences um and their own expertise into it and then we've been able to make a much stronger game because of all these people who have come on board and so it's definitely been like a really nice group collaboration so while you're only speaking to the two of us here it's definitely everyone who's worked on it has like a fingerprint in it somewhere of like they brought their own unique thing to it Mm. and wouldn't have been possible without all of their contributions so Mm. it's been a really nice supportive collaborative group actually making it as well and we've been like really diverse in terms of in in terms of like where everyone's from like we have a we've got people from the UK we've got people from all over Europe we've been about 50-50% on like gender so we've had a lot of women working on it which I think has just given it it's really its own style and unique perspective I think which I think makes it a really interesting game for people to play because there's not really anything kind of like it I think Mm. yeah and I think all all of us are key things we want to make a really fun an immersive experience that's believable I think that was it you know it doesn't have to be realistic it just has to be believable that sort of thing and yeah so I'm glad that you that you played through so the time I had great fun with it it's um, hugely entertaining I love the humour in it I love the Britishness of it it's uh, it's definitely one that I will be playing more of I can see myself wasting hours on it so uh, yes definitely it's, it's a not racing it's an investment it's an investment of course yes sorry yes of course it is so if people want to know more about it where can they find more information yeah so the our website is www.thebradwellconspiracy.com you will find a lot of uh, it's, it's our sort of like it's also an interesting website not just about the game but also about Bradwell Electronics right. we've done a lot of a lot of that you've done a lot of that as well and um yeah, that will be the best starting point. Or you can follow uh, us on Twitter. Um, you can follow us individually on Twitter, like uh, Holly's at, at Holly Pixel. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving out your Twitter handle here. And I'm uh, at, at George Backer. That's uh, George with an E. Edwin. Bossa. Bossa, yeah, Bossa Studios. Or, yeah, Bossa Studios is a good one to follow as well. But my Twitter handle, uh, it's George without the E at the end. George Backer without the E at the end. It's very complicated. Um, um, so, yeah, uh, but I think the website is the best start and Bossa Studios as well. They're the publishers. They... Has he got Steam page as well? Yes, you can currently go on to Steam and search for the Bradwell Conspiracy and you can wishlist that now so you can get updates on, you know, when is there a release date? And Yeah, no, that's real. I just realised obviously the most important thing is like <laughs> wishlist it on Steam we've got a Steam page sorry you told me it was like what am I doing forget the private print fans nobody cares <laughs> awesome well it's lovely to talk to you I'm very much looking forward to it coming out thank you very much yeah thank you for your time <laughs> So that was the interview with George Backer and Holly Pickering from A Brave Plan who make the Bradwell Conspiracy. You can uh, find more about that on the bradwellconspiracy.com, the Bradwell Electronics website, which is bradwellelectronics.com. You can also go to Steam if you look up the Bradwell Conspiracy on Steam. They've got a Steam page. You can follow it on there and put it on your wish list and subscribe for updates and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I think they're talking about getting it out next year. So uh, well worth 
worth waiting for that though it looks fabulous anything else from EGX or are we all done I, I could talk for about another six hours about EGX I think we'll, we'll call that our highlights for now yes um, and, and crack on with the TV and film news yes I think that's probably a good idea <laughs> TV and film news this week. A few renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, Dietland, which goes out on Amazon over here, that has been cancelled after one season, which is a bit of a shame. The Deuce has been renewed for a third and final season. I've been enjoying that. It's been quite a good show, quite an interesting sort of quite dark drama, HBO drama that, but that's coming back for a third and final season. They've announced the air date for Daredevil season three. That's coming on Friday, the 19th of October. You can uh, watch the, I think this is the first year they've actually done four shows in one year as well, which is quite good. They've managed to get Daredevil, sneak Daredevil in. And Hulu also announced their reviving variety Veronica Mars for a brand new fourth season. Eight episodes straight to series order. New season will see the Spring Breakers being murdered in the town of Neptune, decimating the seaside town's lifeblood tourist industry. So um, that's good. I don't know whether you were you a fan of Veronica Mars. I, it was a series that bypassed me entirely and I really want to yeah, go and watch I, it. I don't think I've seen a, a single episode of it actually. It's difficult to find over here. I did go looking. You can buy it on, on Amazon, but it's not like on any of the streaming services at the moment yeah I don't think I've seen it on any of the I haven't either but it yeah. seems to have quite a big following maybe a lot of people are getting the, the Blu-rays and DVDs yeah maybe maybe so uh, but you you can go and buy it if you want to stream it off Amazon uh, it's not on Amazon Prime so moving on to the bigger news Netflix are working on a live action Avatar The Last Airbender series and I know a lot of people will probably groan at this but the good news is the original creators are the people behind it so I think that's probably quite positive also the bar that's been set by live action yes. <laughs> like movies for The Last Airbender is so low yes yes it so- the the M. Light Shyamalan 2010 movie did not go down well with fans I seem to remember (laughs) no I feel sorry for the people involved because some of the visuals in that movie were very nice but they tried to cram in an entire series into a film with nowhere near enough time for any of the storylines to breathe or any of the characters develop or anything to really even kind of half make sense it was just sort of poor overall plan that that meant the foundation was really shaky to start with and with with something that's as beloved as a series like that you have to do a good job or the fans will have you and you'll basically end up with something that's like Dragon Ball Evolution on your hands yeah this sounds like it's in the right place with the right people behind it I mean it's Netflix I think they're probably going to do a good job with it it's got the original creators they are the people behind the new show so it's not just like a token gesture they are the people behind it and they've also made they made a specific point about having a non-whitewashed cast because that was one of the accusations that was thrown at the movie as well so that I think is probably quite a positive thing if you're not aware of The Last Airbender it was an animated series that was on Nickelodeon I think originally sort of taken on a life of its own since then it's become incredibly popular yeah it's incredibly well written detailed well fleshed out well because you've got your, your different nations that are water air and fire and the politics between them all and 
it's incredibly nuanced for what was pitched as a children's show and it has as many adult fans as children's fans and it's a family show where different ages get something different from it and it draws a lot from sort of Japanese style and a lot from the kind of Studio Ghibli approach especially with the animals and the worlds and things but it's an American production by Nickelodeon animated in Korea mostly and it's so depth and so well made that, and it's a huge world so I can see that if they're not just retelling the animated series if they're building on it there's plenty of material and extra stuff that they could do with it yeah I mean it, it does sound like a really sort of interesting thing it's not a show which I particularly know very well but having read the background to it I'm very interested to see the certainly the live action version I don't know whether the, the animated series is on Netflix at the moment but if not I imagine they will be when this comes yeah, out I would advise watching it like the way it handles because you obviously have the Avatar who is one born to every generation or so like Buffy the Vampire there's only yes. one show and um, the responsibility falls on them to master all four of the nation's power bases because they can control the element and they are kind of the guardian that keeps the balance in the world and this falls to Aang who is, who is a young boy who is completely on his own he's sort of been frozen in time for a very long time and um, the way they, they deal with the responsibility on such young shoulders and, and the development of, the, of all the characters is really incredible it's one of those things where I was ethically hooked on it and I've binge watched a lot of it and I never watched it binge watched things it, yeah it looks like a very interesting series to come up and I'm I you know I'm just glad that they seem to have it in the right hands you know and in the right place so yeah i think that's quite good news sticking with streaming services disney are apparently considering a live action loki and a live action scarlet witch series for their new streaming service they're actually considering a whole bunch of these those are the two that have been particularly named but the idea is that they would take this is is not recasting loki or recasting scarlet witch this is companion series to the mcu taking some of the characters from the mcu giving them their own tv series on a limited basis so it's essentially a sort of anthology series that takes some of the MCU characters, you know, not the big guys that have their own movies, but some of the smaller guys. I mean, though Loki arguably isn't that much of a smaller guy, but, you know, taking some of the characters that maybe wouldn't get entirely their own movie and giving them a TV show for one season and then doing one season with another character. That seems to be what they're sort of looking at doing. So uh, Loki and Scarlet, which of the two that they've mentioned so far? I think you know what my vote's going to be. <laughs> you would just have a Loki series on constantly. I know you. <laughs> yeah, I was I was sad that we never got a Loki movie because there was certainly fan demand for it. Um, yes. It's going to be the most expensive limited series. It's going to be limited series with an unlimited budget. I've never really particularly liked this incarnation of Scarlet Witch. I'm not keen on the writing of the character. So that one I'm less fussed by, but that would at least be slightly more plausible budget-wise. But it's, it's an interesting idea. And if they can make the money for it and they think they can get a return on that investment, I think it's a really interesting way of kind of tying together maybe things happening between movies or things that happen off theme. Because we've got so many of these big movies now where we've got so many characters in. It yeah. might be cool to fill in some of the gaps of what was happening when we were following someone else. Yeah, I, I think that would be a really interesting idea. I like the idea of this. It's, I mean, they've not really done TV stuff that ties directly into the films. I mean, we've had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which obviously you 
Phil Coulson, who had been in the films and is in the upcoming Captain Marvel movie. We've had that, but we've not really had major direct crossover with a TV series of of sort of you know you, you had Lady Sif, I think, popped up in Agents of Shield, and yeah, Agents uh, of Shield occasionally would do things like they'd turn up to clean up what happened at the end of the Thor movie. Yeah, but most of the Marvel TV universe doesn't have any direct movie relation. You know, there's been references in Daredevil. It's a companion series. Yeah, they don't have character crossovers, so I think it's literally taking characters out of the MCU movies and and dropping them into their own TV show. I think is is quite an interesting idea. Where else they could go with this? I mean, Falcon maybe is a TV limited run. Winter Soldier maybe is a limited run will be an interesting one. Vision and Scarlet Witch sitcom. <laughs> I don't know. That's my idea of hell, that one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it opens up a lot of doors. Yeah, it could be uh, quite interesting to see what they do with that, particularly as the movies are moving into this kind of new phase. You may start seeing some characters pop up there which are used a little bit in the films and then maybe they have their own series that does their own thing. So yeah, It might um, be nice to have a series about Sherry's, that band of sister. Like, yeah. It could be just all the, the tech chaos going on behind the scenes. Yes, that, might be- that could be quite good. Yeah, there's enough sort of more minor characters to pick from i think that you could make some interesting uh, shows like i say at the moment this was a sort of rumor that came out it, we don't know whether it's going to happen or not it was seems to be some ideas they came from fairly reliable sources i mean it was on variety that was the website that broke it so they've not had anything official from disney but it would seem like it is something they're mulling over at the moment doesn't mean they've actually been commissioned the streaming service itself isn't going to launch in the usa until the end of next year it will then be rolled out worldwide which is more than we know from the dc side of things because they won't say anything about what they're doing with that internationally so the disney streaming service they've said is going to go out worldwide after the u.s launch date but if it's not going to be until the end of 2019 it could be 2020 before they they launch it outside the u.s so we'll have to wait and see but hopefully they don't wait too long because there's a live action star wars series coming on there and that's going to get pirated to death if they don't launch that at the <laughs> same time worldwide we'll have to see what ends up on there but uh end of next year for that so that's all the news we've got for this week as we did the interviews earlier there's no other interview this week so we're going to move straight on to highlights for next week on tv So, highlights for next week on TV. We have The Last Ship, Season 5. That's finally coming back. That's uh, coming to Sky One on the 26th of September at 9pm. They're starting to put things back together and everything falls apart again. So, uh, that's the fifth and final season of that show because I don't think they can throw any more things at that boat. So, that's coming back on the 26th of September at 9pm. I'm very much looking forward to that. South Park, Season 22. That starts on Comedy Central on the 27th of September at 10pm so more from them American Horror Apocalypse I know that's a huge show this year well huge show every year but it particularly seems to be quite big this year that is coming on the 27th of September at 10pm Sick of It which is the new scripted comedy starring Carl Pilkington as uh, him and his subconscious I guess there's sort of two of him and him talking to himself Uh, Sky One that comes to you on the 27th of September 
at 10pm. That looks like it could be quite interesting, so watch out for that. And uh, another show with two versions of the same person in as well, weirdly, uh, Counterpart. Season one of that starts on Stars Play on the 28th of September. That stars J.K. Simmons as Howard Silk, who is uh, cog in the seemingly innocuous UN agency who discovers there is actually guarding a path to a parallel dimension. Already has a second season order of 10 episodes, which I think are coming fairly soon. Season one of that is on Stars Play, which is that add-on channel which comes onto uh, Amazon Prime. 28th of September for that. The Good Place also arrives for its third season on the 28th of September. I, this is one of the best sitcoms you could watch. Hilariously funny. I don't want to explain any of it right now because I don't want to spoil anything if you've not watched any of it. Go watch The Good Place. It's superb. It is one of the funniest, if not the funniest sitcom on TV right now. 28th of September on Netflix for that. So that's everything for this week. If you want to find Bex, you can find her at... Check out Trista Bytes, it's about like computer bytes because I'm WPP on YouTube.com. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and my articles and videos sometimes pop up on the Geek Town website as well. That's where you can find Bex. For us, if you want to visit the website, you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.